There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more. ¿Qué tal amigos? Mi nombre es Roman Rojas y Tremenda Vaina es el podcast donde te contamos cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro historias solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? En el último episodio de Tremenda Vaina te contamos de un muchacho en China que vendió una parte de su cuerpo para comprarse un iPad. ¿Será verdad? ¿Será mentira? Suscríbete en iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify o tu plataforma favorita. También nos puedes seguir en Twitter, Instagram o Facebook. El mundo enfrenta una pandemia. Encuentre respuestas y acceda a información veraz y confirmada en el especial de NTN24 sobre coronavirus COVID-19. Escuche los contenidos de NTN24 en su plataforma de podcast favorita. All right, guys. What is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you in a classroom? You know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of parents having to self teach their kids nowadays during the quarantine. So, um, wow. But what's the most embarrassing thing that, that's ever happened to you in a classroom, Mike? Um, I think it was in sixth grade and I went on a chair and I was writing on a chalkboard and then I reached, I dropped the chalk and I banged my head and I gushed out uh, blood. And blood? Just, and that's not embarrassing. That's like horrific. Yeah, it and, makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Now it yeah, makes sense. a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, no, this because because but I've hit my head a few more times, so I keep canceling out. But that was like wow. the first time I banged my head, and then I was taken to the nurse, and then I need stitches in the hospital. Okay, Frank. Before Mike gets more graphic, uh, like Thank in the you. third grade, I was messing around in school, and they called my mother in, and she had an umbrella, like in front of the whole class. She started hitting me with the umbrella. Wow. Yeah, that was before ACS and all that shit. You know, you could do that, you know? <laughs> But yeah, that was one of my worst ones, man. <laughs> Rachel? I mean, for me, it was actually when I was teaching at Brooklyn College, I was an adjunct professor, an adjunct lecturer, rather, teaching multicultural marketing for four years. And I remember my first year teaching, um, I had never taught about the Asian American segment before. And we were talking about the language spoken in the Philippines and I pronounced it wrong. I said like the Girl Scout cookie tag along and one of the wow. students was like Tagalog. <laughs> oh, oh no, Rachel. Yeah, it was bad, it was bad. Now we have, we have our guest for today's show, Jose Luis Vision. Yo, Am I yo. pronouncing that right? Yeah, well, Wilson is fine, but recently, but I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get, it's not like Lito's not loud, I'm trying to get real Latino with it. Uh, yeah, well, you sound, <laughs> you sound like my Dominican mom, like, Viso, migaca. I love it. <laughs> What's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you in a classroom? As a teacher, practically everything, um, but as a student, I remember in seventh grade, there was this uh, play practice or whatever have you, and I broke the zipper of my pants, right? Like, no big deal. But because I was so insecure, people were asking me, yo, what's wrong with your pants? I was like, I peed in myself. I was like, what did I do that for? So, Holy that's shit. probably the <laughs> I, Like, what was I doing? Too so, honest. 
<laughs> I was like, I, I, I didn't pee on myself, but then I was telling people I peed on myself so they wouldn't look at my area that I had uh, oh. away. Come on, what man. A, what about you, Jamie? Uh, well, I used to wear braces, and one time I got my braces stuck on my like school sweater, and oh. everybody noticed, and it was like everybody just started laughing, and I, and it took me a while to get it, you know, get it, get it, get it out being stuck. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, anybody, any kid that wears any kid that wears braces, or any adult that used to wear braces, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's it's not easy, but my teeth, I, I feel like my teeth uh, are better now. So yeah, I have. I had braces for a long time too, and you know my teeth used to get stuck on uh, open zippers and pants. You know what I'm saying? The Latinos Out Loud podcast. edition of the Latinos Out Loud podcast. How are you out there? It's your motherfucking friend, Rachel Lalo. Since we have a guest that is a teacher, I'm going to (laughs) say Juan Bago present. I shouldn't be cursing that. Now you go, fam. It's after after clock hours, man. I'm good. Well, this is Jay Ferns, and um, I have an apple also for our guest because he is a teacher, and I, you know, that's kind of what people do. It's from the high school. Like, was the teacher? I don't know. Oh Ooh. damn! Okay. <laughs> See, now I'm gonna get. Now I'm gonna get a C. I'm gonna get a C because of that. Right. Why are you giving me that healthy stuff, man? What's going on? With you? <laughs> Jose, introduce yourself, please, man. You're the guest, man. You got to be in there before I make my introduction. I appreciate that. My name is Jose Wilson. I've been teaching middle school math in the Heights for the better part of 15 years now. And in uh, the evening, I'm also the executive director of EduColor, which is an organization dedicated to race and social justice issues in education. But I'm also a proud father, husband, and I mean, I, I do a lot of different things. So blessed to be on the podcast. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. yeah, and I'm Frank Nibs, who will probably ask later on for some extra help uh, with some uh, classes himself. So definitely, Jose Luis, thank you so much for joining us. Is it Jose Luis? Is it Jose? Is it Mr. Wilson? What would you like? Jose Luis is fine. That's that's dope. That's dope. <laughs> well. I mean, first of all, shout out to you just being an educator. As a parent right now, going through this whole homeschooling thing, I'm really just taking my hat off to all the educators out there because this is tough work, especially early childhood education. I would presume that middle school just you know, presents its challenges as well in that pre-adolescent stage. I just remember being such an asshole in junior high school. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who you're dealing with these days in the middle middle school in the Heights. Like, what's it like for you? Wait, Rachel, uh, were you a mean girl? I wasn't a mean girl. Oh, I was okay, just right. an asshole. I don't know. I just did <laughs> stupid shit. Like, I was always a good student, but I would always do stupid shit, like, during mm. school and after school. And, you know, I never got in real trouble but my mom was like, why? Why are you being such an asshole? Anyway. <laughs> I got a lot of kids like that, though. And, like, you asked them, yo, so can I ask you a quick, yo, what, what's good with you today? What are you talking about? Uh, what's good with you today? Like, wh- why are you acting like this? And 90% of the time, they just don't know. Like, it's just the age. So 
I think it takes a, a special set of people. They got to be patient. They got to have a little, uh, <laughs> they got to have some after school uh, drinking parties every so often too. But I think like if you're teaching middle school, you already know. You may have 30 kids in that class, but you really got like 60 people because like every child is at least two different people given the, given the day. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's cool. It's cool. Like, I love it, though. I love it, though. Well, I mean, I've got a lot of questions for you. We don't have that much time, but I'm, I'm here, though. I mean, this is such good timing that you're here. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to come at it from the POV of a parent right now with one child who is in pre-K, the other one who is a toddler. He's just turned 20 months. Um, But, you know, just being this newfound teacher at home, I'm struggling with, number one, sticking to a routine. And number two, I I just want to know, like, you know, mommy wasn't in the classroom for a very long time. And mm-hmm. now she's in the classroom and she's the teacher. And yes. I'm just not sure how to answer all those needs at once. So can you provide any advice to those of us who are homeschooling, who are the parents, we're the deans, we're the teachers, we're the, <laughs> you know, we're the head of the uh, parents association, we're everything right now. How do we get better control? I would say you're not trying to be us. I, I, a matter of fact, I think for so many of our kids, to be honest, they are, they're fine with being liberated from the idea of school. So what you really want to, I mean, what I, for me, I feel like if you're the parent, you know your child better than we do. So you're going to adjust whatever thing it is that you want them to do according to the style that you have. Instead of trying to make them read for 90 minutes, maybe 45 minutes here, 45 minutes there. The way that I would teach percents, for example, you know how like you have a 20% tip and they ask you to multiply and do whatever have you um in my own classroom i'm the quickest to be like yo move the decimal once and then multiply by two and if you get it wrong you're gonna get robbed like i'll be like (laughs) that's my that's my style and of course you know my administrator will come in there and be like oh like you shouldn't be talking like that but you know now i have cool administrators so it's, it's fine but i'm the quickest to just use the language that they already have to be able to acclimate to the math and the reading that they already have in front of them. I mean, you're not trying to replicate school. Like, you're going to have them fold hands in the middle of home? Nah, fam. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, you as a parent, you want to be super loud. A lot of our kids appreciate that loud teacher, that one that's all up in their face, like, yo, get this done, get that done, because there's that sense of urgency. So some of the things that I use in my own classroom, I'm just learning from the parents themselves. So, like, I got a lot of Mexican parents lately. So I've been the first one to t- look at my kids and be like, Echaganas, pues, Echaganas. And they're like, yo, why are you talking Mexican like that? Yo, you're Dominican. <laughs> but but it, if, if it works, if it's culturally, oh, I'm sorry, it's culturally responsive. So if I got to be culturally responsive in that way, then that's what I'm going to do. So I do it with my Dominican kids, Puerto Rican kids, Salvadorian kids. So um, I try to make it more like home that maybe somebody else who's not familiar with the culture tries to make it like home. And I think that's, that's my vantage point that other, point, other people don't have. Yeah, a lot of parents are dealing with even young, like having issues, and a lot of my friends having issues even younger, they have younger kids. Mm-hmm. Where, and that's, that's harder to kind of like, you know, kind of um, wrangle them in and, and have them, you know, they're slow, they're, they have shorter attention spans. And so are there any like teaching kind of rules, basic rules that could apply to, to any situation where any, even though you normally teach older kids, right? Um, but is there, is there just kind of rules to live by that 
can apply to any age. I don't make any lesson longer than 10 to 15 minutes of me talking. If I talk for more than 15 minutes, I lost my whole classroom, regardless of if they will behave, now will behave, whatever. Um, if I'm talking for longer than 10 minutes, then that could still be a problem. But 15 minutes is way too long. I feel like with our kids, they want you to like give them the little lesson, but then they actually want to play with it, right? So if I'm going to be, and I have an eight-year-old at home too, so I feel the same struggle, right? But if I'm going to, me as his father, like I can like sit, literally sit on top of my guy. But if he, if he doesn't like want to do something, he's not necessarily going to do it until I find something else to do that with. So I'll be like, oh, so you're into Legos. All right, so how can we build the rocket? Okay. And then I'll be quiet, let him kind of play around. He'll get stuck and then be like, yo, do you want to go look at that on Google and like get some examples? Oh, I like you like this one, you like that one. Okay, how could we make that one better? Asking a lot of questions of our kids and making them feel like they're the ones doing most of the work is a really powerful tool. I can't stress mm. that enough. Like trying to be like, oh, yo, you, it's kind of like when um, you'd be like, oh, I got you, I got you. Like that sort of kind of energy where you're very yeah. much telling them you're the one that's in charge, but really I'm the one that's in charge. But like, I'm just asking you a bunch of questions that's going to lead you down the road that I want you to get to. So those are two things that I always use, like talk less, but then ask more questions. And I think a lot of kids really appreciate that when you give them the power to be able to kind of self-determine in that way. Jose, um, being that we don't know when this quarantine is going to be over, and I've heard that this may go on to the end of the year, how are you guys preparing if this goes further with the kids? Uh, you think they're going to adjust? What do you guys think? Yo, if I'm honest with you, I think after this week, because this week was supposed to be a spring break, there's going to be a really hard road because a lot of kids are going to get disinterested very quickly. That's just being, that's the honest part of me. The professional side of me wants to be like, yo, the kids are going to love the schooling forever and they're always going to want to rock on the Google Meets. They're going to go watch my YouTube videos on how to do this, that, whatever. But there's a, there's a point when you're like, wow, so I'm no longer a sixth grader. That's it. I lost a whole year. Oh, I can't graduate for real. Like the way that everybody else did. Oh, like, you know, and all those things that are supposed to like kind of wind down the year, like school trips and you know, your friends and all the things that you like get to do. And the teachers also like calming down a bit because it's after the tests, you lose a lot of that, you know, right around this era. So if you decide, oh, well, you know, we, we close schools for the rest of the year, then I'm going to see a lot of disinterest unless you have a strong relationship with the kids, unless you find ways to engage them, unless you really pull them in and say, yo, you can hang out for half an hour with your teacher on this Google Meet that we got going on. Oh, that's dope. No work? Oh, no work. Oh, come here. Or if you find a way to like get a project going where you're like, yo, I'll make this count for like a thousand points on your grade. Of course, the kids know it's not going to be a thousand points on the grade. But if you exaggerate, if you kind of like pull in different things and try to engage them in a way, I think you can really find ways to engage kids. But without having like that building that says you have to be here every day or else you can't graduate, then you got to find a way to entertain them. You got to find a way to engage them and you kind of find, you got to call parents whenever you can, but even that becomes more stressful knowing how many, you know, COVID, COVID-19 situations are happening in our own hood. So it's a lot. Is there any silver lining of uh, what's going on right now? Something that we can take for the future that can be implemented even when kids do go back to school? There are some kids who don't behave well, not in spite of, but because of the situation that they're in, 
right? Like how many of our kids would just rather you give them the work? Like they talk to you for about 10 minutes about it and then they just go on and do what they need to do. There's at least, I'm thinking about like six or seven kids who don't behave well in the school, but they're really brilliant. And as a, a, a black Dominican educator i like i relish that 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 kind of kid because i'm like yo you're the kid that's gonna break the rules but you're gonna do it in the way that like makes everybody better so cool let me work with that and so i have kids who are turning in assignments left and right and they weren't working like that when they were in my classroom why probably because of the school structure itself it may not even be just me mr Wilson. it could just be that the way that school is structured for them so I think that might be the biggest silver lining is that a lot of our kids are going to say, yo, like, I don't have to worry about this teacher saying X, Y, and Z about my behavior anymore. All they got to do is worry about my work. Oh, that could, that might actually work for me. You ain't got to worry about all the social pressures with the other kids too. There's some kids who you probably have to like think about how you assess them for that self-determination and that self-engagement so that they could just carve their own path. Some of the kids need the structure and they need the school. And some kids just rather not have that type of environment around them so that they can focus on their own studies. So those are the things I'm thinking about as silver linings. To your point, the statistics show that at the college level, there's a higher graduation rate and even GPA for online courses versus in-person courses. And it's so interesting that the research is being done right now with our children and it's not even like, you know, it's a funded research study. Um, I do see Donovan, my son, doing his work in a very efficient manner. Like, I, I hear you on those 15-minute lessons. I think that's a really, really good point. The other question that is sort of my part B to that is, teachers have years of experience, and I assume very technical methods of measuring how the students are absorbing the information, and, you know, there's testing and things like that that you guys do in classroom. How can me, as a stay, uh, as a homeschooling parent right now, assess whether or not my child is learning at the rate that he should be if he were in classroom or in pre-kindergarten right now? Two things with that. Number one is that I think kids are severely underrated in terms of their own opinion. Uh, There have been studies on that too that say like students telling you how much they learn is a better measure for how much they learn than even state test scores. And that's, that's wild. Like there is, there has been a couple studies on that and you know, the studies keep getting done every couple of years. So that's one. Two is actually about how strong the relationship is with the teacher. I feel like this version of disaster distance learning, I'm not calling it online learning because online means like I wanted to do this versus disaster distance means I had to do this in the middle of a freaking pandemic. Like that's wild. Um, So in that second rendition, if I didn't have a good relationship with my kids, then I wouldn't be able to do the work that I do online. So I feel like so much of the research doesn't account for the relationships that the student and adult like build with each other and the schools build with each other. So if you're in a, if you're in at home right now and you're trying to teach your child, you should just ask them, yo, did you get this? And then let, let them tell you if they got it. And don't worry about the technical words. Like so much of what academics want to do is, oh, you need the technical language and you need this, how you are superior. No, 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 no. Just mm-hmm. ask the kid. 
ask the kid, please. And then ask how much they value the adult who is working with them, whether it be like their English classes, Spanish classes, like Matt, ask. And generally speaking, I feel like the kids who like, like my class the most end up appreciating math that much more. So I have to work on the relationships in order for them to trust me with their minds. So that, that's, that's real. So, and who better than the parent? That makes a lot of sense. Uh, makes me feel better. I struggle sometimes, um, Mr. Wilson, with like, uh, you know, the school day here is not nine to three. It's impossible for it to be nine to three because I've got a 20 month old running around here and a dog mm. and a husband and a, my mother who FaceTimes me every 30 fucking minutes, you know, like <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's impossible. Is that a disservice to my child right now that the school day is not nine to three? Nah, when are they awake? They wake up at eight, okay. but. You know, mommy school don't start until I have Bustelo in my system. So right. school doesn't really start until 10 o'clock, if I'm honest. Okay. So 10 o'clock it is. I mean, I don't finish my, my coffee till like 9.30. And that's kind of when my kids really get... I actually schedule my assignments with my kids earlier on in the night. I'm just going to give it all away, whatever. I'm gonna get, I guess I'm going to get fired because of this podcast, but it's cool. Um, <laughs> I schedule my assignments for nine o'clock for the kids who wake up early, but I know full well that like, I'm not really all the way there till like 10 o'clock. That's when I hit my stride. Right. But on a regular school day, if school was open, I'd be up at five 30. I, my kids would like, my kids would be in the building at eight o'clock. I would be teaching ready. Like at seven 55, eight Oh five. Like I'm ready to go. Like I'm on full, I'm on full peak. But then that also means I drank my coffee at seven o'clock. You know what I'm saying? So Whatever it is, like your schedule now is whatever it's going to be. And it isn't that. So there's like schooling, which is like the processes that all the school stuff happens. And then there's learning and education and learning and education can happen whenever. Right. So I wouldn't lean too much on the schooling piece. I will lean more on the learning and education piece and how much they actually are learning. So if it takes like four hours for the kid to learn, then four hours it is. If it takes them two, then you got to make a judgment as a parent, right? If it takes them six, then you got to break that up into two, three hour sets, right? But if your mom's calling like every 35 minutes, like, yeah, yucky, yucky, yucky. All right, so then you got to give her that grace too because she's here. I'm sorry. Like, at least for now. Like, we'll talk back in September. <laughs> it's all good. She's nervous. She wants to see the kids. You know, they're quarantined. They miss those grandkids. So I answer most of the time. But thank you for making it. me feel better. Um, I think that's a very, very strong point in that we need to understand as parents, are the children learning? So it's not so much like the structure. Are we taking the school structure and bringing it into our apartments? I I'm going to actually perish that thought right now because of you. I'm just going to emphasize the absorption is he understanding and learning and comprehending the science lesson we had today on magnets Ooh. so thank you for that oh yeah we doing science this week i'm having fun with this shit i gotta be honest like a lot That's of my so. friends are stressed out but I'm, I'm having a great time in like taking a very like beekman's world bill nye the science guy approach to teaching my kid and he's digging it so it's not so much about all right class pay attention this is the coefficient it's no it's like yo we're gonna take some magnets we're gonna go around the apartment and see what repels and 
what attracts the magnets. And we're going to write it down in our handy dandy notebook. And then we'll talk about what the magnetic field and what the magnetic force is. So it's like a lot of fun. And I incorporate videos into it. You know, I'm sorry if I'm chewing your ear off. It's just this is nah, so you're good. For me right now. And I feel like I'm in therapy with someone who knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> right. And then when the magnets get together, you know, they, they start clapping. You got to match that energy. You know what I'm saying? Not like this. <laughs> go on. Go on. That's right. Jose, what was, what was, what are the misconceptions about teachers? Like, you know, as a, as a kid, how you looked at, how you saw teachers, what's a misconception that most students might have now that you are a teacher? That teachers have to act a certain way. Um, that they have to live a certain way um, that whenever, for example, they try to get into a kid's culture, they were always going to do it with a very white lens. So, oh, mm. look at, um, you had any number of movies come out about dangerous kids and how a white teacher came to save them. And then here comes this black teacher who, you know, he's into Jay at the time. He's trying to get acquainted with whatever, like, their dances are. And they're like, yo, like, you kind of different. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm black. Like, duh. I, of course I'm different. Like, and, I'm, <laughs> and I, I think so many misconceptions. You know, when I was growing up, I came through public school. But public school was, like, mostly white Jewish women. And that was that was one experience. I got love for them, but they were white and Jewish. Like they, they gotta do what they gotta do, right? Um, and then seventh grade through twelfth grade, I went to two Catholic schools. I went to Nativity Mission, and then I went to Xavier High School. And that was like regimented. This is how you're supposed to do things. Um, so it's wild. It's wild. Um, I, I just feel like the way that we see teachers uh, nowadays is a little bit cooler than what it used to be back in my day. Because back in my day, it was always like the strict person, like there was God, your mom, and then the teacher, and then everybody else, right? <laughs> but nowadays, we have some more flex, unless, of course, we as teachers can like do a little bit something different, and then we start getting closer to God. But, you know, that's a, that's a conversation we're already having, so good on us. <laughs> My question to you, we have to definitely talk about your nonprofit and EduColor. And can you please tell us about that organization and, and your cause and all that? Man, all right. So imagine that, like, you see this conversation we're having right here. Imagine if all the folks who were having the same conversation in a way that was, I guess, unapologetic, a lot more hood, a lot more thoughtful about our children of color, if that was expanded across the entire country. If people just said, yo, like there's a whole different set of pedagogies that we're talking about here that people don't want to put in the mainstream. They don't put in the books. And there's a whole lot of teachers who believe in that very pedagogy to be able to get to their kids, not just about access, but just making sure everybody gets it. Everybody gets that work. So EduColor is that organization. We started about five years ago. We, we're rebuilding it to be a better resource for a whole lot of different people. We don't got money like that because we're trying to make sure we keep it very 100. We're not bossed by anybody. We're just trying to build something that makes sure that teachers feel elevated, especially teachers of color, especially folks who are doing this work the way we're talking about it right here. Uh, teachers who, for example, love calling parents uh, and not just telling them about what's wrong with their kid, but as being like, yo, like I got love for the kids, right? Uh, the teachers who will stay up nightly working on assignments, want to read the language and ideas and aren't always on top of them about like having the King's English or whatever have you. Those are the type of teachers we rocking with. If you're talking about teachers who don't just want to like 
appropriate hip hop, want to appropriate, you know, Dembo, whatever have you, but like are actually in tune to the language and actually want to listen to kids as they rock with that. Those are the folks that we're looking at. So EduColor has been around, like I said, five years. We're a resource. We've been uh, sponsoring any number of different things here and there. Uh, we're working with Ted. We're working with, uh, well, before this administration, the U.S. Department of Education, any number of things. But um, it's just been a blessing rocking with like people who actually believe in the people. So that's our organization, EduColor.org. We host a chat um, every every last Thursday of every month. And we just try to provide resources to people, which is very intentional about making sure we're accessing everybody. So EduColor.org, that's our website. EduColorMVNT on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. So that's us. Okay, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. It's time for the Keloke segment. So, Mr. Wilson, Keloke. Shout out, shout out, shout out. Uh, shout me out at the JLV on Twitter. Shout me out at thejosevilson.com, the website, the Jose Wilson on Instagram as well. Shout out to Educolor, hashtag Educolor, uh, at Educolor MVMT as always. Uh, shout out to all my students, my parents, all my people out there. Shout out to the Heights. Shout out to Harlem. Shout out to Lower East Side. Shout out to everybody. Bless y'all. Thank y'all for having me. Appreciate y'all. All right. Thank you so much. One time for published author, educator, and philanthropist, Jose Luis Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, we out. It's the Latinos Out Loud podcast. Oye, mijo, ¿qué show es ese que están escuchando? ¡Tremenda Vaina! Hola, amigos, y bienvenidos a Tremenda Vaina, el show donde escuchas cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro, solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? Nos puedes encontrar en tu plataforma favorita. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Suscríbete hoy. Y esto es Tremenda Vaina. ¡Tremenda Vaina! Oh, <laughs>
There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota. Toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more.